Hello and welcome to the Swim England East Region podcast. My name is Kevin and I'm the Regional Swimming Talent Officer and will be hosting today's discussion. Hopefully you are already following us on our social media feeds, but if not, please make sure you give us a follow on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Swim England East Region. On today's episode, we are in conversation with Helen Davis from Think, Believe, Perform, who is our sports psychologist for the regional development camps. As with our last Q&A episode, we do have live questions coming in from athletes and parents across the region. This is the second of three episodes where we're hosting live Q&As, so please make sure you check out our nutrition and SNC episodes if you are yet to do so. The link to the presentation that preceded this discussion is in the show notes, and make sure you click subscribe to the podcast so you're up to date as we launch more episodes. And if you liked what you hear, please give us a quick review. So let's get started with episode 11 of the podcast. It's a live Q&A and we are in conversation with Helen Davis from Think Believe Perform. I hope you find this discussion helpful. Thank you everyone for joining us this evening. It's our second night of question and answer sessions and tonight we are talking psychology. So just before we get into our questions, I'm just going to introduce to you Helen. I'm sure you've all seen Helen because you watched the video, but if you just want to say hello Helen and give us a quick intro. Yeah, hi everybody. Uh, Thanks so much for joining. I'm amazed at how many of you are here listening. I hope you enjoyed the video that I did with Kevin uh, the other day. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to hear the questions that you've got to ask me tonight. Hopefully I can answer them all um, and give you an idea of kind of what I do as a sports psychologist who works a lot in swimming. And not just as a psychologist, but you are a swimmer yourselves. I think the swimmers would be yeah. interested to hear that. <laughs> I am. Yeah, I'd, swimming is uh, very much... Uh, yeah, I say it's in my blood, really. I, 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 learned, I learned to swim when I was seven, which is actually quite late, but I swam competitively. Uh, all through my teenage years, did the whole, you know, galas at weekends, tournaments, etc., competitions. And I still now uh, compete re- when I can, uh, compete regularly. Uh, I'm a very much an active master swimmer and go to kind of nationals, internationals, world champs, etc. Um, I can't imagine my life if I wasn't swimming. So uh, I always love talking to swimmers and talking about swimming as well. Well, we're going to have a fantastic set of questions, I'm sure, from a very enthused group of swimmers, but we've already had two come in. And the first one I would like to ask is, are there any books that you can recommend for young athletes with regards to psychology? Yeah, it's it's a really good question, actually, because uh, there there aren't actually very many. I would um, now I haven't actually read these myself yet. I've ordered them. But um, Matthew Syed, who you may have heard of, he's a um, ex-international tennis table tennis player he has written some books for young people they look quite um I'd say the front covers look like they're for quite really young children but actually um I gather they are suitable for teenagers as well and uh, I've written down the titles of some of them um dare to be you defy self-doubt fearlessly follow your own path and be confidently you and you are awesome find your confidence and dare to be brilliant at anything, almost anything is, is uh, so that I'd, I'd recommend those two books. Um, it's very difficult to find um, sports psychology books that aren't really theoretical. I mean, I've got one here, which I use quite a lot because um, I work a lot with young people, but it is quite theory driven. Um, 
so if you're not into theory driven books, then I wouldn't recommend it. There are a few case studies in there which are quite interesting. And I, I think it gives you some good ideas about what a sports psychologist does do when they work with athletes, that it's all from evidence based approaches and, and theory driven um, where, um, you know, the theories have been used with um, athletes and shown to make a difference. So um, that that's that's one that is is quite important for me. Awesome. Well, we'll make sure we get the links to all of those and I'll include those when we send out. Uh, I'm doing some follow-up notes next week once we've had all the calls with resources because we had the same with SNC last night uh, and we'll hopefully have some more with nutrition tomorrow. Okay, second question and the final pre-question, I guess, if you like. Um, can you think, and we're getting a bit more techie here, uh, of anything podcast-wise or similar media? I would imagine YouTube, as you are a YouTube star, Helen, that you can think of with regards <laughs> to psychology. Well, in terms of podcasts, uh, do you know there's a, there's a lot of uh, a lot of sports psychologists who do do podcasts. Um, I would re- there's two I guess that I would recommend um, that I think are quite kind of easy listening to. They they they, they go through some you know um, certain themes I guess. So each episode might follow a particular theme. It might be confidence one time. It might be self-talk another. So uh, one of them is called The Sports Psych Show by Dan Abrahams. Dan Abrahams uh, used to work a lot in football. So there is quite a lot of uh, football related content on there. Um, 80% Mental is another one which uh, is a, a run by two guys uh, in the north of the country. They, they've started it relatively uh, recently. There's been quite a few sports psychologists who've gone on that who I know and I know their work. So um, I, I think you might find those quite interesting. And talking podcasts, I must just uh, mention, uh, I don't know if any of you uh, saw the Don't Tell Me the Score, Simon Mundy's BBC Sounds Radio 4 podcast. I was actually on it last week. So if you want to listen to one on sports psychology uh, there, um I, I I did one I mean some of it is on my kind of career transition from a teacher into being a sports psychologist but there's also a section on beliefs and a lot of what I talk about on that podcast I do use quite a lot with athletes uh it's it comes from a theory called uh, rational emotive behavior therapy and you can hear a little bit more about it on that podcast too awesome and we're going to have to put a cheeky plug in because you and me did a podcast i think during lockdown actually that talked about that and again we can put the link in there's one more thing i need to plug on here for helen helen actually put together some fantastic psychology videos for us last year perhaps even the year before because the time is getting away from us now um, and they are also on our youtube channel for anyone to access so um, i'll include the links to those but please watch them more targeted at parents but there are some fantastic resources on there I was just going to say, Kevin, as well, that you know, during lockdown, I did a lot of videos, uh, Swim England videos, which you may have seen, which you can see on the Swim England channel, um, YouTube channel. Um, and again, they're, they're, they're short snippets of psychology. Uh, on my website, too, actually, I do have a few videos of various things that I have done as well. So, um, you know, you can find some things there, too. Awesome. Well, I'm taking all these things down in notes to follow up next week. Um, but we've already got the questions flying in, which is absolutely awesome. So the first one we've got is, is listening to music a good option before a race? Do you know, um, if you if it helps you, then absolutely, yes, it is. Um, if it if it gets you more nervous, then no, it isn't. I, I think you know, the question I would say is very much 
learning about yourself and, and what you're like and a lot of people can find music um, gives them different feelings you know there can be calming type of music there can be music that kind of gets you pumped up and I guess for, for you it's identifying how you're wanting to feel prior to a race and if you know that that being calm is is suitable for you then then try and choose music that's going to be appropriate to that so i think it i think it can be extremely helpful for people um for some people who are not maybe so bothered by music they don't get those kind of feelings and sensations that music can give other people some pe people wouldn't bother to use it but um i'd certainly say if you think it's going to help you then yes brilliant and i think like you know we've talked a lot to to more senior athletes and you even see it at some of the big meets where there's obviously a big crowd not like there is at the moment um where actually they walk out on poolside and they wear headphones to block out the noise of everything else just so they can focus so it it's but then some love it they come out and they have their headphones off and they're listening to what's going on so very different for everyone and there is quite a few questions already coming in about music and i'm seeing music discussions breaking out which is which is good so i'm sure you guys can all exchange ideas on music at another time perhaps uh, but the next thing how do you get out of one bad race and then get it out of your head whilst you're trying to prepare for the next one it's, it's really difficult. I mean, I, I think that psychologically, it's one of the big challenges that, 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 that people have in swimming is that you are racing, you know, with very short periods of time between the next race. It is a very difficult thing to do. Um, it's one of those things that you'll probably get better at with practice. Disappointment is, is hard to overcome. Um, there are various different kind of tactics techniques I guess that you can use to try and help yourself um you know one might be that you you allow yourself to be disappointed for a period of time now depending on when your next race might be it could be that you you think okay I'm gonna you know look at the clock and I'm gonna say right I'm gonna allow myself to be disappointed until quarter past six and then I'm focusing on my next race so you let yourself have those feelings of disappointment um it might be that you postpone it and you say, I'm disappointed with the race and I'm going to think about all my disappointment and why, what went wrong and what happened. And I'm going to do that later on after my dinner. Um, and I'm now going to focus on my next race. I mean, these are all kind of little psychological things that you can do to try and help yourself in that moment. Um, no, it, it can be difficult to be disappointed, but, if, but, but obviously letting it carry on and continue what you don't want is it to then affect your next race. So the more you can channel your, your thoughts into all the small details about the next race, all the things that you've worked on in training, all the things that your coaches have said, you know, then that, that is the, um, a way of helping yourself direct your focus on, onto the, to the next race and, and what you need to do for that one. Awesome. And I'm sure swimmers already know, I mean, I'm talking more from a coaching point of view here, but you know the things that you need to do to prepare for a race. So if it happens to be after a really bad race, you're still going to go away and swim down. You're still going to have a snack. You still might have a shower. You still might do a warm up, some stretches, whatever it is that's your routine. And that doesn't change whether you've had a good race or a bad race. And I think, again, that's like this process 
that we normally talk about with young athletes is it's a good habit to get into. If it goes really well and you break the world record and you win the Olympic Games, you're going to go and swim down. If it goes horrifically and you get disqualified, you're still going to go and swim down. So actually, these things you can focus on, guys. Um, I think also it's, you know, it's worth saying that, you know, because you swim so much and because you do so much racing, there are going to be lots of disappointing races, you know, and you kind of get better at managing them and handling them as you go through it. And actually, it can be... The, the bad swims or the, the, the swims that you think haven't gone well at all, they can be the ones that you can actually learn from the most in the long run. Okay. Um, got another two, three questions coming about music. Hopefully we've answered that one. Um, but again, I'll just re-emphasize Helen's point. It's an individual choice. So just because somebody next to you is listening to music doesn't mean you have to. And just because somebody else isn't listening to music doesn't mean you shouldn't. It is, can be completely different for everyone. Um, okay, wonderful question here. What is the best way to visualize success before a race? <laughs> yeah, visualization is a, is a really it's a really great skill to get good at, and it's a very very powerful mental skill. There is so much evidence to say that visualization um, helps helps um, swimmers in particular. There's loads of evidence about swimming. What I would say is. You need to do it well in order to, for it to be really effective. You know, if, 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 if you just go and visualize something, you know, you need to get good at it. You need to learn the skills of how to do it. So to, to, to use it the most effectively, you need to really try and, and build up the, 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 the most vivid pictures in your mind that you can. So you imagine... So let's say you're imagining what your ideal race would be like. Imagine if you were telling somebody what that ideal race would be like. You're trying to create that picture in somebody else's head. How, what would it look like? What would the sounds be? So bring in as many senses as you can. Again, successful visualization includes as many senses as possible. So the sounds of the pool, the smell of the chlorine, the noise that you would hear in your ear, all of those things, the more you can bring those to your practicing, to your rehearsal of visualization, the better. So that when it comes to it, it feels more realistic. I mean, I've known people practice visualization with their hat and goggles on sitting in their rooms in their swimming kit you know they can have sound on in the background of what what a, a, a swimming competition sounds like you know whether it's tannoy whether it's music whether it's all of those things the more realistic you can make it the better probably your visualization will be so it's all about specifics it's all about details um, try to put some emotion in it as well so if you're trying to picture, you know, your ideal race, imagine how you would feel and try and incorporate that into your visualization. I actually get people to write it down. Um, just kind of doing it in your head is quite hard. Um, but if you write it down, you can then practice it and go over and over it so that you learn it. It's like a script. And then when you go to the race, it, it's it, in a pressure situation, it's hard to remember stuff. But if you've done lots of practice of it, it will then come much more easily. And you might not remember every single detail when you're there in, in, in the actual, you know, arena of competition, but, but you'll remember most of it because you've practiced it. So I guess in summary of that, it's, it's specifics and details include senses, emotions, and practice, 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 practice before you want to then use it in the real, in the real life situation. Okay. Awesome. Uh, We've got another one that's asked about can a bad race affect races even in a couple of weeks time. I guess that kind of comes back to what we're talking about, how 
focusing on the next event instead of dwelling on the past yeah I mean it's one of those things where you know you can learn from bad races you know you can take things from them and they can help you move forwards but if 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 you were somebody who was going into a race and you've done a race three months previously and you were still thinking about that bad race I would probably suggest that that your thinking processes around that bad race would be impacting on subsequent races so you know um learning to be an effective thinker as you know swimmers are performers and you're performing a lot of the time the more you can kind of upskill yourself in 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 how you manage yourself how you manage your emotions around success and failure will really stand you in good stead um for all the competitions you do in the future brilliant uh two questions back to back about nerves so is it a good thing to have them any suggestions on how to manage them i I think absolutely it's a good thing to have nerves. Um, you, you probably have nerves because it matters to you and, and you mind about it. And when things matter to you, you tend to put in lots of effort because you're wanting to do well at something. And nerves are the, you know, they're a natural response for the body um, that, that sends adrenaline, um, you know, the hormone adrenaline around your body. Um, that hormone that that adrenaline can actually help you really really race well so I often say to people you know if you're feeling nervous and you've got butterflies in your stomach and your heart's racing it's because you've got adrenaline that is free that's free energy that comes from your body's natural response in terms of your nerves how you manage those nerves depends on a lot of what's going up here in your in your mind at the time and how you talk to yourself about those nerves so Knowing how to respond to the nerves to help yourself um, is absolutely key. Um, you know, if you know that you are somebody who gets very nervous when you talk to other swimmers, for example. So I, I know I've one of my one of my really, really best friends in the world called Karen is a um, is a swimming friend of mine. I've known her since I was 10. She gets really, really nervous before she races. And I found myself getting super nervous because I was chatting to her a lot before my racing. And I actually found myself getting more and more nervous because I was kind of getting the nerves from her. And, and I decided that actually maybe, although she's my best friend and I, you know, I love her to bits, that maybe chatting to her before I raced was not really a good thing for me because I think it was making me more nervous than I needed to be. So trying to think of creating the environment for yourself creating the thinking for yourself that's going to help you manage those nerves so how you view the nerves is 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 important you know that free adrenaline that the free energy that you get knowing that nerves can be good for your performance you know they they, they can help you be much more responsive um, once the gun goes off how you talk to yourself will be really important in how you manage them so if you notice that you're you're the kind of swimmer whose brain says, I'm really nervous. What time am I going to do? How am I going to do? And, and you're asking lots and lots of nervous questions. That's probably going to make you more emotional about it, more anxious about it. So, again, going back to process thinking can be a way of helping managing nerves. So, you know, what do I need to do in this race? What are the things that I've worked on in training? How much effort have I been putting in? This is why I'm ready for this today. And talking to yourself in a way that's going to be as helpful as you can to help you manage the nerves. Brilliant. OK, um, a bit of a different one here. How do you overcome mentally making yourself feel sick? 
because I've seen this with some age group swimmers that are actually physically sick before they race because mm. they're so nervous. Does this, this just, again, managing nerves, do you think, or any other tips? I mean, I, I think, um, you know, yes, I, I, you know, I, I've met lots of swimmers who have sim- similar issues that, you know, some people, when they get particularly anxious, get naturally get a sick feeling. Um, a lot of swimmers can go on and continue to, to, to swim and continue to race even if they have those that that thoughts the 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 reason you're getting such a strong emotional response is probably because your thinking is is i would suggest to be around anxious thinking outcome thinking what happens if i don't race well kind of thinking maybe comparing yourself to other swimmers etc so i mean one of the biggest things i say when i when i i start working with people is start listening to yourself what what is your inner voice saying to you and do you think that that is contributing to you feeling sick? And if it is, we often form habits in our thinking. So we, we, we think in the same way when we're nervous. Is it something that you do kind of quite consistently when you race? So if it is, think, OK, well, how, how could I change that? You know, if I change it, it might make me feel differently because the way that we think has a big impact upon how we feel. So we tend to feel what we've been thinking about so so if, if you're you know if you've got those anxious thoughts and you're feeling sick start looking at the what you're thinking listening to your voice hearing what it says and noticing and then deciding if it's helpful for you or not awesome okay another one that i get this is i can feel a henry ford quote coming on about whether you think you're right or whether you think you're going to do well or not you're right um, so the question is uh, about having the mindset that you're going to do bad before the before you've even got on the block. What? What? It, it, so, what's the actual question? I guess that uh, just kind of reading between the lines, uh, effectively saying, can we have some tips oh, to help us oh. with that mindset before we get on the block? What if it's bad? You mean? Yeah. Oh, I see. Right, because because I, I was going to say, you know, it, it depends on your motivation, right? Because some some people think, oh, if I'm going to race badly, and that can be a motivation to try and do their best. You know, that's why I was just just checking with it. Um, I would say a lot of this goes back to preparation. Is you know, as 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 swimmers who swim regularly and consistently and train, you 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 have. Um, you have a certain mindset around your swimming already. So noticing when it's helpful or not helpful um, is absolutely key. If you're still getting to the block and your your, your mindset isn't in a great place and, and you're feeling bad, I would just say, just try and enjoy it. You know, if, if, if you're, you're feeling too nervous or you're feeling like it's going to go badly or you think the, the race is, is um, you know, you're not going to win it or whatever it is and you can't turn it around, I often say to people, well, it's a really simple thing, but, you know, just smile, smile and remind yourself why you're swimming. You know, you swim because you enjoy it. You know, you get something from it. You're swimming because you're there with your friends. You know, that whole social bit on the poolside is such a massive part of swimming and 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 and, and you're doing it for fun. And I think sometimes the, the pressure of competition and people's thinking around competition means that we sometimes forget that. So I'd say bring it back to basics if you're feeling in a bad place with it and just try and remind yourself of, of why you're doing it. Okay. Um, next question. It kind of relates to the 
race or the bad race one we had earlier if you do a bad set in training so i guess if you have a really bad training session what would you say is good to help us move on and uh, not kind of spoil the rest of our training that week or that month you know i I think it's about being realistic you know it's or also say unreal it's unrealistic to expect that every single training session that you do will go well just as it is unrealistic to expect that every single swimming race that you do will go well. Of course, you want it to go well. Of course, you you want to be successful at it. But the reality is life isn't like that, right? You know, you are going to have bad sets. Um, So I I think bringing some perspective to it, it's one bad set in one training session, on one evening, in one week, in one month, in one year. You know, that, that it's bringing perspective, you know, that you can maybe learn something from that session. Yes. But but, you know, you're going to have other bad ones in the future. Um, but it's it's very easy for our minds, our mind as competitors. You know, we we, we want to improve. We want to do well. So our minds will, t- will will that inner critic that we have will take us to. Yeah, but that, that I did really badly in that one set. And we forget all the good stuff. We forget all the sets that have gone really well in the past and the previous day and the previous week and the previous month. You know, um, it's very easy to focus on the things that haven't gone well. So I would say bring a sense of perspective and, and, and realism to it. OK, fantastic. Um, is there a state of mind that is ideal prior to a race, ir- irrespective of the difficulty? I'm thinking there's someone asking a question there who's thinking of a 400 IM against a 50 freestyle. So is is there, just repeat the first bit for me, Kevin, please. So is, is there a state of mind that would be mm. ideal prior to a race or training session, despite the difficulty? You know, no, I think I would say the answer is an ideal state of mind. If I sat here and said to you, this is the ideal state of mind, I, I, I would be doing you a disservice. You, as a swimmer, you are the person that knows what, your ideal state of mind would be or the best idea for you you know I can sit here and give people tips and ideas of those things but actually you are the person that learns what works best for you because I work with so many different athletes I know that there are some things that really really resonate with people and they think oh yeah you know I that really really worked for me but I might have another athlete that's like well that, that didn't work for me at all now they can equally be successful, but they've got different approaches and, di- and different ways of doing things. So um, th- that ideal state is, is it might be so different for one person than it might be for another. So for me, it's about you learning about yourselves as swimmers, learning, think, looking back at successful swims that you have had and what what mindset you were in prior to that what was going on who did you speak to what what was the review process what was the preparation what what did you do to create that state that you were in that day and then use that as a kind of platform to say okay well then maybe I might try some of those things the next time and then you might learn something the next time and think okay well that didn't work so well for me so I'm going to do that and it's a it's a kind of moving moving platform really about trying and testing ideas and 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 seeing what works best for you. Okay, uh, a short but I think quite amusing question. Is sleeping good before a race? I'm hoping they don't mean before <laughs> the gun goes off. Right before, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I guess um, obviously, you know, sleeping is so important in terms of, you know, physically relaxing yourself, also mentally relaxing yourself. 
um, pr prior to prior to racing. I, I guess the key is timing, right? Is you know, just waking up right before a race. Is your body going to be in a, in a, in a state that's kind of, you know, at, where you've got levels of arousal that you are ready to go and perform? Because that's what you're wanting to do when you race, right? So, um, you know, it may be that if if you if you've had a sleep and then you 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 know you ensure that you have an adequate time to get yourself prepared physically in terms of warm up, but also mentally prepared as well. Then I don't see that 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 would be a problem. But you know, if you were dozing, you know, two minutes before, <laughs> you know, your heat's going off. I, I think that might be a bit different. I guess by pulling a few of those questions together that are coming in about the preparation and the time before and what you said about like the individualized approach to everything, I guess, would you say to not necessarily trial and error, but have, you know, a plan, try something out that's an organized way of preparing for a race? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think just as you physically prepare for a race, I think, you know, for the level of swimming that you guys are all doing, mentally being prepared for a race is equally as important as your physical preparation. Because those, those, those moments prior to when you race are, are so key in terms of your the state that you're diving into the water in. Um, and, and by being mentally prepared, it's it's tapping into those things that you know are going to be meaningful you meaningful for you at the time that are going to motivate you in, in ways if you if you need to be motivated that 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 allow you to access the specifics, the things that you've worked on in training that are going to help you race well in that day going through the tactics or whatever they might be. So having having those things written down, I mean, it's something that I do with, with, with swimmers regularly is depending on how the level of competition they're doing, depending on how many races they've got, looking back maybe over the days preceding that and doing some work to build up to a weekend of racing, um, putting some things in each day that um, are helping to maybe boost confidence levels, to help maybe practicing preparation uh, visualization scripts so they're all things that I would put into a plan with somebody to say okay um you know on Thursday evening you're just going to devote five minutes of your time to you know rehearsing your your visualization script and you're going to do this this and this and then you know might do some relaxation um in the lead up to a big event you know that might be you know something simple breathing exercise or um you know, it might be listening to some music, something like that. So, so that there is a, a kind of uh, a, a mental preparation prior to doing an event. So I, I think that the mental prep is, is, is equally as important as the physical prep. Awesome. Um, we've got quite a few more coming in. I just want to say thank you to all the swimmers so far. Again, so many fantastic questions. So thank you to everyone for, for posting these. I'm so glad um, you're reading them out to me, Kevin, because I can just see all this writing <laughs> coming up on the screen. <laughs> yeah, I've got 24 unread at the moment, so I'm working my way through. Okay. <laughs> um, nice quick one here. Is a DQ good for you in terms of learning from it? Do you know, anytime you fail at anything, fail don't do well, disappointment, you can always learn something from it, except a DQ is going to be very, very disappointing. But actually, if you do get a DQ, you'll learn why, you know, you, you tend to be told why, you'll learn why, and then it's something that you can then go and work on and, and improve in the future. So um, you absolutely can learn from it, although 
of course, disappointment will come alongside that. But, um, you know, I often say to people, you know, so, so many of these, you know, kind of famous sports people that, that you see on the TV, so often you hear them say that it, it's, you know, the time they came last in a race or the time they got the DQ or the, the, the time that something went horribly wrong that actually either you know help them in the future spurred them on to something you know bigger and better things so you you do hear it all of the time so although that that can be very hard in the moment if you get the DQ of course it can be and it can be very upsetting that actually you know bringing perspective to it in the long run it might actually uh you know help you in some way okay um, I've got a question on here about S&C all I'm going to say to that is if you can one the audio from last night comes out which it'll do next week there's definitely the snc coach talking about hypermobility so that is covered in last night's discussion um, but i don't want people to think i'm ignoring their questions because i promise you i am not um okay a question here about i guess over trying so i work really hard in training but then when it comes to races i don't perform the best that i think i can do any suggestions yeah, do you know that's a really good question, and and it's a really hard thing to to uh, whoever asked that question. You know, I I, I feel for you because a, a lot of people feel that, and I think it, it it can you know really raise disappointment levels when you when you feel like you've been putting in all this effort and all this hard work, and and then it it, it comes to the you know the big stage as it were. It comes to where you you want to show off what you've been doing, and 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 you're just feeling like it's not that it's not happening for you. Um, there's a number of different things I think that you could try here. I mean, one of the things is, you know, thinking about how you're viewing the pressure of that. So, you know, if you're saying to yourself, I've worked so hard, you know, I de I deserve to swim well today. Um, that, that, that talking to yourself in that way can actually make you feel more pressure to perform because it's like, well, because I've done this, therefore I'm expecting this to happen. And you, you kind of like raised your expectations maybe a bit too high and thought about it a bit too much. And then you and then you actually kind of get to the point you think, oh, and, and it just maybe, you know, you might just be a bit more tense that, you know, your body tension just doesn't allow you to swim uh, f freely. Um, it's a really hard one because particularly when we talk about focusing on process and focusing on the things that you need to do. Sometimes when you overthink things, it can actually hinder you, particularly in something like swimming, which is very technical. You know, if you're overthinking movement, sometimes that is known to help you not flow so freely. Trying to take the pressure off yourself in that scenario can be quite difficult, but sometimes it can just be, I'm, I'm just going to swim it. So it's removing yourself from the outcome, just, just going to enjoy it. You know, what's my goal today? I just want to enjoy it. It could be just having a really simple goal like that can actually just ease that, that pressure off you a bit. Um, when you view things as a bit more of a threat, so, so if it's, you know, if, if you're thinking around it is all about, well, I, you know, I deserve to do well, um, that's what I call kind of more threat state thinking because you, you're, you're kind of saying it has to be so and, and you're placing this, this demand upon yourself. So if you can try and see it more of as a, as a challenge, you know, challenge yourself to, okay, you know, I've done this work, I've put all this hard work in, um, trust in yourself that the results will come. And I use that word trust because 
again, it can be very disappointing if you've got lots and lots of races and you're still not feeling like you're performing. However, trust in your coaches, trust in the training that you are doing. It will come. It just and it might might not come, you know, when when you you don't expect it. But the more you focus it on it coming, the more it might not happen. So I would say try and simplify things, try not to overthink things too much and keep it as simple as you can. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, I've got quite a few covering similar areas, so I'm going to try and cluster them. Um, I've got quite a lot about pre-race and I guess a pre-race routine. And I think kind of picking up on the the land stuff because there's people asking about stretching, there's people asking about music, people asking about breathing. I think based on what we've said both last night and today, it's about knowing what works for you in all areas. Does that sound like a fair summary? Yeah, absolutely. And I think I would also say consistency of a, of a routine brings people a sense of comfort and knowledge and that in turn can feed a kind of confidence. It's kind of, this is what I do. This is what I know works for me. This this is the psychology of it. You know, these are the stretches that I feel get me warmed up the best. You know, this is the food that I know makes a difference to my performance. So all of those things, you know, that, that kind of having that consistency and routine of approach can enable you to feel more confident about your performance because you've done it and it's tried and tested and you've done it before so that that sense of security around that um i i think is psychologically important okay um another one about food as i said to the guys yesterday that's tomorrow so we've got jasmine coming on tomorrow who's going to do our nutrition one so oh, yeah she can answer all the questions on food <laughs> oh yes so save your questions on food for tomorrow um one about how can I, again, over become or how can I overcome being frustrated because of a bad race? And do you, do you think, again, this kind of tension and letting go sort of thing is what we've got to consider here? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's absolutely OK to be frustrated when you do a bad race. You know, it's OK to be upset when you do a bad race. You know, you, you will experience emotions from bad races and, and don't try and hide those because they're important, right, that you have them and that you have them because that you know they mean something to you learning to manage your emotions is such a key skill so think about times when you've been frustrated before and how did you deal with it how did you overcome it how did how did you you know get yourself to move on from it and, and remember back to those times and and then try and help yourself do do the same things again Fantastic. Um, we've got a few in swimming questions here. So a couple of swimmers asking about the middle of the race. And then I've got another one saying, how do I keep focus on a, a distance event in 800? Because I find it hard to keep my head on my technique. Yeah, I mean, you know, an 800 is a long time, right? Particularly if I'm swimming it, it's a really long time. <laughs> it's a really long time. Um, you know, I, I think... Um, it's one of the things about swimming is, is that you know and I think a lot of swimmers say say it that that, that it's um that that you go through periods where you, where you can't remember anything you know you, you you just kind of you're in that moment and you're just kind of doing it you're just kind of swimming I think in in a race like an 800 there are key moments in, in a longer race that, that you can tune into and zone into um but it's a long time mentally for, for for you to kind of be on it 
every single second I mean you know it's like it's like doing a marathon right it's like doing an Ironman you know wait, wait to, 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 to keep your kind of your, your mindset at this 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 high level the whole time can, can be really really hard so I think remember it's okay that you might you might be off off it and not and not thinking about your technique all of the time and, and I think that's absolutely fine because you but if you, if you can learn to zone in on the bits that matter you know if it's going into the turn turns coming out of the turn you know off the wall you know the the you know the, the last hundred you know the the pushing whatever length whatever you've done in your pre-race plan that zone in on the moments that are that are key and and, the, and then you'll find that your concentration levels for that will probably be far better than if you're trying to kind of maintain it over a really long period fantastic um so I'm asking, how should you feel when you're on the block? How should you feel? Do you know that's an interesting uh, uh, phrase again of how should you feel? So again, if I sat there saying you should feel like this, um, you know, I, I would again, I'd be doing you a disservice, right? Me working with people, it's like you know, you learning about how you want to be what's your ideal state for for you being on the block it's going to be different from one person to the other you know there's going to be some people that would say well I'd probably be really really nervous um and can't wait to get in the water there might be some people that sit there thinking um you know I'm just so excited I can't wait to get in the water there might be somebody that says well I'm thinking about all the things that I want to do you know all the all my processes and that that's what I'd, I'd be thinking about you know again it's about learning about you um what you're wanting to be when you're on that block is you know ultimately your goal is that you want to go in and you want to swim fast and you want to have fun i mean that that that's put simply that that's what you want to do and it may be that a simple thought like that is is what you need you know it could just be i'm going to enjoy myself you know it could just be you know but for some people it might be i want to i want to beat her next to me you know what 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 you tune into at that moment is is, is, is absolutely key um, and key for you individually. You know, it's, um, I, I remember when I, I used to swim and uh, I can tell you what I thought about when I was on the block and it's it's very, very random. And I don't know why I did it, but I, I had this thing about, I used to paint the left, my little finger on my left nail, right? <laughs> Some It didn't matter what color, but I, I would put nail polish on, on, on my, my left finger. And when I went down on the block, I looked at my little finger and I went, it's painted. Off we go. I mean, I was sort of 12, 13, 14. I don't know why I did it. But again, you know, I talked to you about this kind of security and this comfort. I, I obviously, I, I'm guessing I had some successful races when I had just one fingernail polish. And for me, it was like, yeah, there's my nail. Right. Here we go. I'm ready. So, you know, you can be thinking about nail polish, you know, there isn't a, 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 an ideal thing to think about. It's the thing that gets you ready, the thing that that's going to resonate with you that makes you want to dive in, have fun and swim fast. OK, I've got a wonderful question uh, that's come in. How can I handle racing against a friend in my own club? And you're all going to be doing that because that's what Level X Racing is. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, how can you handle it? You know, I guess, you know, you're going to be racing against your friends a lot of the time, right? People, I think, have different levels of competitiveness within them. 
Um, I, I think I, I believe that competitive, you know, you can be born with natural instincts of competitiveness and other people don't have that as much. So for some people racing against their friends, probably, you know, they wouldn't mind. It wouldn't matter. But for some people that can be really hard, right? Because you kind of think, well, you know, I really want to beat them, but they're, but they're my friend and I'm talking about, I'm talking with them beforehand. I'm talking with them afterwards. I would say, enjoy it. Enjoy the competition. You know, if, if, if you've got a good friend, they're, they're going to still be your friend, whether you beat them or whether they beat you. You know, you can have fun talking about the race afterwards. You can have fun, you know, analysing it together and, and talking about how it went and how you felt. Um, your competitive instinct will kick in uh, when you are doing that race because hopefully you're thinking about you. I mean, that that's one thing I guess that hasn't, hasn't really come up or that I haven't said that much is that, you know, when you're in a swimming race, it's all about you and what you are doing. You can use other people to motivate you, to push you on and to drive you on. And that's a really big motivator for some people. But for other people, it isn't a big motivator. And they're much better at just you know, focusing on them and their technique and what they're doing. So I guess it all comes back to learning about yourselves as performers. We've got a few questions coming in about breathing before races and breathing exercises. Again, does that come back to each individual or is there a set routine when it comes to breathing? You know, um, I think breathing is an excellent relaxation tool. It's something really, really simple. It's a technique that you can do and nobody needs to even know that you're doing it. But the reason why it's such an effective tool, it, it can, I mean, talking about managing emotion, it, it, you know, if you're feeling particularly nervous, it can be a great thing to do because um, it, it can really have an impact on how you are feeling. Um, I talk to people about what I call wobbly table breathing, which is not a technical scientific term. <laughs> I just call it wobbly table breathing. But if you imagine a, a, a shorter table leg on one side, then you've got the, the flat of the table and then you've got a longer table leg here. So the table would wobble um, and your the shorter table leg is the inhale. So if you inhale for four breath for, for, for a count of four, then Across the tabletop, you hold the breath for a count of two. And then the longer table leg, you exhale for a count of six. So the key there is that you inhale for less. So the exhale is longer than the inhale because it's actually the exhale that's, that's the relaxation bit. Um, I would suggest that everybody tries it, particularly if you're somebody that struggles with um, nerves and anxiety. I would also suggest that you try it just at home in your bedroom, away from the swimming pool. Again, just like most mental skills, the more you practice them, the better you get at them. So just to show up at a swim competition and just start breathing, it, it, it may it may not have the effect that you want. So um, I think it, it can be extremely effective. And it's very simple and, and, and uh, you know, can help with relaxation. So I, I would certainly recommend it. Fantastic. I've got three questions that have come in about lucky charms. <laughs> what are your thoughts on them? Do you know, it, it, yeah, it's, um, they're really interesting. It's, it's, it's like my, 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 you know, my nail polish on the nail, right? That it, I guess you could say that it felt like a bit of a lucky charm for me. Um, they're interesting, uh, lucky charms or, 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 you know, lucky swim costumes, you know, 
people doing certain things beforehand. The, the, the reason being is it, it, it provides that kind of security of, well, because I was successful when I you know, had the nail polish on my finger, therefore I think I'm then going to be successful again. I think they, they, can be, they can be useful. They can be very helpful to people. But the, I, I do have, a, a, I guess, a kind of little word of warning about them is that you do not want to become reliant on them. Because, you know, the bottom line is, you know, having nail polish on my little finger was not going to affect what happened in, in, in the race. Ultimately, you know, my swimming and my training and the effort and all those things would, would have much more of an impact on, on my race. Having a sense of control over um, what you do and your responsibility for what you do is, is, is something that is very powerful. If you believe that something external, like a lucky charm, if you believe that that, that, that is the reason that, that you're successful, um, it's not really a good route to, to, to go down because you can't be reliant on external things, but what you can be reliant on is yourself and your own internal kind of locus of control, I call it, that I am responsible for the success that I've had in the pool. You know, I am responsible for, you know, um, the, the effort that I put into training and knowing that that responsibility lies with you is, is, is a kind of safer um, course of action to take really when it comes to racing rather than being so reliant on a lucky charm. But, you know, if you're not reliant on them and you think, oh, great, I've got my, you know, I've got my lucky costume on tonight, then, then and, and it gives you a boost, then, then great. I've got a couple, well, two little stories that I'll share just to highlight this. Uh, Tom Daly, as we all know from the world of diving, has a lucky monkey uh, that he got, I think, when he was seven or eight years old. And I think he still has it now, but probably more for his child than for him. But I'll tell you something that was fascinating when it came to not just lucky charms, but I guess the safety blanket. At the Rio Olympics on day one of the team arriving in Rio, I think it was six athletes had their bags stolen at the airport and it included the photos that they were going to put up on the wall in their uh, accommodation to make it feel more homely. All of that went. Uh, included in that list was Adam Peaty and the suitcase that went missing included racing suits and goggles. So you can imagine the panic you've spent 12 years or eight years or however long it is training for this magical moment. You arrive at the big meet and all your kit goes missing. How do you deal with that? And that's something when we're young, absolutely, we want that safety blanket and that comfort. But we've got to understand that we could get to that big moment in our life whenever it is, and not just in swimming, but in anything. And suddenly circumstances change around us. And how do we cope with that? How do we deal with that? So again, just like Helen said, it's great to have it, but don't become completely reliant on it because you never know when you'll need to rely on just yourself and nothing else. So much happens, doesn't it? Like, you know, th things happen, things get lost, as you say, things are missing. And, and um, you need to know that, you know, you can still race whether you've got your lucky water bottle or you haven't, you know. So ask yourself that question. If you think, I think I would find it really, really difficult if I didn't have it, then maybe that, that's a little warning signal to you. Okay. Uh, I've got a few more questions coming in. We've got about five to 10 minutes left. Um, I've got a question about how competitive should you be before a race? Again, if, if uh, that, that drive, that competitive drive is within you, um, then it's going to help you. But as I said, we, I think we all have different levels of competitiveness in us. And for some people that doesn't kind of switch them on. For other people, it will really it will switch you on. So um, 
I couldn't sit here and say you should be competitive. You you shouldn't be competitive. You know, knowing what drives you, what motivates you, what's going to enable you to push yourself in a race um, is key there. And if that that competitive drive is there, I I know that I am a very competitive swimmer. I, I love that kind of, you know, race, you know, seeing somebody next to me thinking I'm going to race them. I have that kind of natural competitive instinct, I guess, but there are, you know, that there are plenty of athletes that, that don't get that sense. They're much more kind of focused on the, themselves and um, are more competitive with themselves than they are in terms of with other people. So um, if you are worried that you are not competitive enough, Maybe that that's that's an interesting question for you to think about because maybe you don't need to be. There's, you know, if somebody's saying you should be, I'd you know I, I, I'd listen to yourself and what what drives you and what motivates you because when you know what that is, that that that's going to help you the most. You know, rather than somebody telling you that you should be. I also think as well, it's it's relating outcome to kind of personal motivation, because for me, if you're motivated and you judge yourself based on, you know, winning, for example, like if I think back to my swimming career, one of the most enjoyable experiences I had from a performance point of view was a race that I actually came last in. It was last in my first ever national final. So the, the win for me was that I made it and I was so happy. But if you say to a swimmer, well, what would you do if you come 10th? And they'd be like, oh, my God, it's a disaster. But actually... It wasn't about the competitive element. I was competitive, but that wasn't why I was there. For me, it was that I've driven myself over the last few years to get to this point, and I'm very proud that I've got to this point. And I think mm. it's really important for our young swimmers to understand that actually being you, you know, you can be competitive, you can do your arm swims before a race, you can listen to music, you can, whatever it is that works for you, but actually just be comfortable not being told you should do this or you should do that because somebody else does it what works best for you um okay a question here about 1500 which we're going to revert to the same question that we had about the 800 so if you were listening back a few minutes ago hopefully you've got your answer there Uh, a question about warm-ups in terms of i guess a physiological stuff so um have a listen back to the snc yesterday and if it wasn't covered in that because we did talk about warm-ups yesterday we'll talk about that with the swimming coach next week on the call um I get really nervous for test sets. How do I get out of that mindset? For test sets in training? Yes. Mm. Mm. Um, You're getting nervous for a reason, I guess. Um, So ask yourself, what is it about that test set that I'm getting nervous about? You know, is it about how I perform in it? Is it what other people think of me? Is it the time that I'm going to do? Is it how I'm going to feel? Is it because it's going to hurt? You know, think, think what, what, what is it around the, the, the reason that, you, 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 that you're nervous about it? You know, the, the more you do things, the, the, the better you get at, at managing your nerves. You know, the, the more you, you practice doing it, the more you put yourself into pressure situations, the better you get at handling it. Now, I say the better you get at handling it is you looking back at how you've coped with it in the past is often the best thing to help yourself prepare yourself for for the future. So if you've done the the, the sets in the past, how did you cope with it? And and put that into place for next time. 
So think about how you cope. Think about how you manage difficult situations. What do you do? You know, do you go and speak to somebody for support? Do you ask advice about, um, you know, from a coach about something? Do you, um, you know, distract yourself by, you know, going and getting yourself a drink in the cafe? You know, whatever it might be. What did you do to try and cope? Did it work? Did, was it helpful? Can you use it again? Okay. We've got, uh, there's so many good questions on here. I know uh, for, for such a young group of swimmers, this is absolutely awesome. Um, I'm going to answer one of them because it's super quick uh, about what time should you wake up in the morning before a morning race? And I think very simply for everyone, it's going to be different. Some swimmers prefer to get up early. Some swimmers prefer to get up a little bit later. It's what works best for you, which we have mentioned a few times in other areas. So you're seeing a theme here, swimmers. Uh, question about mindfulness. Any suggestions on when you could do it, morning, evening, before a race? Just some thoughts on mindfulness. You know, you can do it at any time. Again, I would always say practice these things at home first. Try tr try the things out rather than just show up at the pool and try and, and, and try and do them. Um, you, you're much, you know, when you're practiced at it, it's much more likely to be effective when you then get into the, the swimming environment if, if you do it. So, you know, tr tr try it out. You know, there's there's lots of kind of apps and things um, that, that, that can help you with, with mindfulness. Um, I'd certainly say practice it on your own where you're not going to be disturbed. Nobody's going to come in so that you don't feel self-conscious. And, and just try it for a few times and see how you find it. You know, for some people, they find it hugely beneficial and they absolutely love it. For some people, it, it doesn't make such a difference. But definitely try it more than once. Uh, definitely try it a number of times before you make a judgment on whether it works for you. Brilliant. Thank you. Uh, a couple of SNC questions again. Have a look back through last night and we can bring them up next week uh, if it wasn't answered. Um, nice one here. How do you prevent somebody else's negative or nervous state from affecting you? I mean, I'm thinking back to that example you've given us about yeah, your friend. You, I know. And, and, and you're absolutely right. It's how do you prevent it? You know, it, it sounds a bit harsh, <laughs> but but position yourself in a place where you're going to be surrounded by people who are going to support and help you with your performance. So just like, you know, my great friend, you know, Karen, she is and she still to this day is not a great person to be around before I swim. She just isn't. I mean, yeah, she's my good friend. And I've said to her, do you know what? I'm I'm going to say goodbye now and we'll we'll talk later. And she knows she knows that she's not a great person to be around. But so I, I would say, you know, um, if, if you if you find that you are, you know, it's well known that, that, we, that we we feel other people's emotions. So if you're if you're with somebody who is giving you feelings that are not helpful for your performance, it may feel a little bit selfish, but I'm saying move away from them. Surround yourself by people who are going to be helpful and supportive to you. Um, it's all part about you learning, you know, who's 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 in your your best support network to help support you. OK, um, I'm going to do some quick fire answers just to get through a couple of these that have come in. Um, would you watch videos of senior athletes or and I, I encourage swimmers to do this. I think it's great to know your event. Watch what an Olympic final looks like for a 200 freestyle. Watch what the athletes do. Like we said earlier, not necessarily yes. copying, but it's good to see. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, Okay. Good question about COVID-19. If you can save those questions for next 
Wednesday because we've got some stuff on that already for you. So anyone who's asked questions about lack of competition and stuff at the moment, if you can save that for next week. Um, the final one that's very different to the ones we've had so far. If you are swimming against older swimmers, how should you rid the negative thoughts about losing or looking terrible in the race? Hmm. Trying to trying to not think about something and deliberately trying not to think about something means you will probably think about it more. All right, it, it, it's it's a known piece of psychology. You know, if you try to avoid something you'll probably find that the thought so if you're sitting there thinking i'm not going to think about racing against that swimmer and i'm not going to think about losing you you will be you will think about losing so i guess i would say in that situation acknowledge that you're in a challenging situation so acknowledge it i'm feeling nervous name name the emotion i'm feeling nervous because i've got some older swimmers next to me and i'm feeling worried because i think that i'm going to lose against them acknowledge it accept it all right. Don't try and push it away. Bring those thoughts there. You're much more likely to cope with it better if you think about it than you try to push it away. I would then say try and be as individual in your approach as you possibly can. They will do their thing and I'm going to do mine. What is my thing? What, 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 am, I, what am I going to focus on so that I come out of my race thinking that I've done a good job? What a lovely way. I was going to say, what a really nice message there to kind of finish that off today. We've had so many questions come in and I know a lot of it has come back to kind of, you know, exploring what works for you, trying different things, being open-minded to just because it works for them, it might not work for me. I think that's a really nice way to pull all that together. Helen, thank you so much, but also thank you so much to the swimmers because same as last night, so many questions, so much engagement. I can even see swimmers on the chat box replying to each other saying, that's awesome, thank you, and all this sort of stuff. So thank you so much, everyone, for coming online and joining us. Helen, have you got one takeaway message for us all before we go? Oh, one take of a message. Biggest thing for me at the moment is enjoy your swimming. You know, we're in difficult, challenging times. It might not be what it was before or the same for everybody, but um, swimming is a wonderful sport to be part of. So just just notice the small things that, that you enjoy about swimming and uh, and and hope that the, the competitions that in the racing that we've been talking about um, will 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 come soon for us. Um, I know you've got, you know, sort of club level things going on, but um, yeah, enjoy it with a smile. Fantastic. Helen, thank you so much for your time. Swimmers, so many lovely messages coming through there. Thank you. And I look forward to hopefully seeing you all tomorrow night when we're back for our Q&A with Jasmine, our nutritionist. Well, thank you, everyone. It's been yeah, great questions and um, I hope you've enjoyed it and learned some things from it. OK, have a good evening, everyone, and we'll see you all soon. Thanks again to Helen there for some wonderful insights and to our swimmers for such great questions. All the contact information you need as well as some useful links are in the show notes for you. And as mentioned, this is the second of three episodes, so make sure you check out the S&C and nutrition shows as well. We love to hear back from our listeners and growing the network of people we support, so please share the podcast link with your friends online and your comments on social media so we know what you thought. Hopefully you enjoyed the episode and will join us again soon for the Swim England East Region podcast. <laughs>